Does your retirement portfolio pass or fail? How do you match up against others? Find out on The Final Grade with Ron DeLegge. Hi there, everybody. I'm Ron DeLegge, founder of ETF Guide, and I am also the inventor of the Portfolio Report Card. So you got to be honest with me. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to think about it. If your investment portfolio was a movie, what genre would it be? Would it be, for example, adventure? Perhaps it might be fantasy. Or maybe your investment portfolio is horror. Perhaps it's a comedy, some commotion in the ocean. Or maybe your investment portfolio is a complete mystery. Now, I ask you these questions because many of us, many of us, um, with IRAs and 401k plans and other investments, we are the antithesis of drama-free investing. I mean, we're about as Hollywood as it gets, and we sabotage ourselves with uh, complexity, with too much risk, too much cost, and simply not paying attention to the stuff that matters. And so what ends up happening is it damages our results and it ends up hindering us from getting closer to our our financial goals. And so how do we identify these problems that are looming? How do we prevent them from becoming even bigger problems down the road? Well, that's why I use the Portfolio Report Card grading tool, which I invented, which quickly tells me if an investment portfolio is architecturally sound or not. And we examine portfolios in key areas. And I'm going to show you real quick here what those key areas are. Key areas like cost, risk, taxes, diversification, performance, organization, and behavior. See, these are all the things that influence your your financial outcome, right? The outcome of your investments. And so the final grade, A, B, C, D, or F, tells us whether the investment portfolio is well-built or not. I want to see lots of A's and B's on this show. Some of you um, don't get A's and B's because of the fact that you don't pay attention to the stuff that matters. And so it's my hope that as you watch this show and as you go to PortfolioReportCard.com and reach out to me, that I can begin to help you identify not just the strengths of your portfolio, but some of the areas that you may not be aware of that are holding you back. Also, some other key points about the report card that I need to mention before we get into today's Portfolio Report Card and I should have mentioned this earlier, it's going to be for KE in Palm Springs, California. This is a married couple. They're in the early 50s. We're going to get into all the intimate details of this $408,000 portfolio. But but what I want to do here is just give you some explanation and background of the portfolio report card. It's actually one page regardless of the size of the portfolio. So that's what every single report card that I do no matter how large or how small the portfolio is or how many portfolios, it's always on one page. I designed it specifically for that reason to be easy to understand, to be digestible in a language you can understand, free of the Wall Street and financial jargon. And um, also, your first grade that you get is what I call a baseline grade that, uh, that tells us, well, here's where you're at right now. And then when I regrade your portfolio, in the coming year, then we know if you've made progress, if you've held steady, or maybe you've digressed, right? So if you've got a, a C today 
and next year I grade you and you get a C again, well, you haven't made any progress. If we go from C to B or C to A, then there's progress, right? If we go from C to D or C to F, then we've, we've gone backwards. So this is the point of the report card. It's an ongoing grading tool to help you stay on track. And, and, and for those of you that aren't on track, we want to get you on track, right? Get on track towards satisfactory, profitable results. So that's the whole point of this exercise. And, and it very much goes along lines with my philosophy towards profitable investing. Really, there's eight steps. There's cutting your investment costs, controlling risk, minimizing taxes, being organized, having diversification, managing your own behavior, and then that should lead to maximization of your performance. And then what we're doing on the show is we're measuring our results to make sure that we're getting the optimal um, results and, and the outcome that we want. So the portfolio report card has two versions. The premium version is where I analyze and grade your investments in just five of these seven categories. Cost, risk, tax, and diversification, performance. Premium plus, I grade all seven grading factors, those additional two, organization and behavior. Now, for today's portfolio report card, we've got KE. This is a, a married couple with $408,000 in change. That's the combined value of their two SEP IRAs. He's 51, she's 53. They're real estate investors. That's where they make their living. These are self-managed SEP IRAs, and they're, they consider themselves moderate risk takers. Their plan is to retire in 12 years. He's got 256,410. That's his portion of this 408. Hers is 152. Some of their concerns are getting unexpectedly sick and drawing down assets as a result of that. They're not happy with low yielding bonds. They're also scared about the stock market being too high. Their plan, as I mentioned earlier, is to retire in 12 years and they plan to use these SEP IRAs to supplement their rental income and their social security. And so we're going to go through each one of these categories one at a time, cost, risk, diversification, um, performance, and taxes. And we're going to see if this portfolio passes or fails. We're going to give them a final grade of A, B, C, D, or F on today's show. So let's get right into it. This portfolio... This is what it consists of, four mutual funds, two ETFs. This is the asset breakdown. The bulk of the money is in these two fidelity funds. That's the growth and income. They've got just over 156. And then they've got a, a, a bond income fund, FGRIX is that one. ARKK is a growth equity ETF. They got just over 58,000 there. CMF. And SPHIX are in the bond category. One is a California Municipal Bond ETF, that's CMF, and then the other is a high yield bond fund. And then they've also got a money market fund that's uh, invested in California Municipal Bonds, FSPXX, about $8,000 there. So that's the asset breakdown. Let's take a look at the cost of the portfolio. This is our first grading category. A well-built portfolio should definitely minimize the greatest degree possible investment cost. That means minimizing unnecessary trading, ongoing fund fees, and other frictional costs that may eat away at the portfolio and erode the value. 
Portfolio Report Card, I should mention, doesn't just identify potential problems with the cost of your portfolio, but the grading engine automatically builds and measures the cost of your portfolio versus a corresponding index benchmark. And it reports right back to, to you and to me, telling us whether your investment costs are too much or if they're right in line. So how does KE do in terms of cost? Well, the asset-weighted expenses of this portfolio are 0.63%, that's 63 basis points. Now, in terms of actual dollars, which may make sense to more sense to some of you than basis points, this is amounting to about just over $2,500 in total fund costs. That, that's the mutual funds and ETFs to ongoing expense ratios. And that's uh, 55 basis points more than the benchmark. So there is definite room to cut costs a lot further with this portfolio, KE. So you got some work to do in terms of minimizing cost a little bit more. The next grading category is diversification. So a diversified portfolio is not diversified unless it's diversified. So what do I mean by that? Well, authentic portfolio diversification begins and ends with exposure to the five major asset classes. And you do that by using broadly diversified funds that are accurate proxies of those asset classes. And there's plenty of index ETFs and index funds to choose from that do this. The question is, does KE's portfolio have this type of diversification? Well, let's take a look. KE's got, if we break it down, 46% exposure to stocks, 52% bonds, 2% cash, but missing exposure to some key areas like commodities and real estate. Also, none of the funds that KE owns are what we consider um, accurate proxies for their respective asset classes. And let me give an example by what I mean by that. Just take the Fidelity Growth and Income Fund, which, which is part of this portfolio. That is not a proxy, although it does own stocks and bonds, right? It's not a proxy of stocks and bonds as an asset class because it's an actively managed fund where the manager is trying to outperform the asset class or the index instead of matching its performance. And so in order to outperform, the manager has to take greater risk or they have to concentrate the portfolio and exclude other stocks and bonds that are part of the overall market. And so again, it's not what we would consider a core fund or accurate proxy of stocks and bonds. And so from a diversification perspective, that uh, does hurt KE. And uh, so the other area too that two areas that are missing from the portfolio are commodities and real estate. I want to just focus real quick on real estate because you may be saying, some of you may be saying, well, listen, they're real estate investors. They already own properties. They're getting income from that. That so why why would they need more exposure to real estate? Because they already have it. And think about this. The, the portfolio, the private portfolio of real estate that they own is concentrated or localized in their California market. And so that that real estate they own is not a proxy of the entire real estate asset class, right? Because it misses national and international exposure. It also misses exposure to things like industrial, office, medical, storage properties, again, at a national and international level. And so, um, and, and of course, their strategy for getting exposure to real estate with rental income, nothing wrong with that. 
My point is that from a diversification perspective, in the context of their SEP IRA, they should still have exposure to global real estate and uh, an index ETF or something that offers some exposure to that um, because of the fact that they're missing it in this current portfolio. And that would certainly help them on diversification. The next grading category is risk. So the risk of a portfolio should match the owner's risk profile. The architecture should align with the owner's investing time horizon, right? So if they're, they've got a long-term time horizon, well, then they shouldn't own a whole bunch of short-term types of assets or, or assets that are, aren't, that don't align with that time horizon. And also the portfolio should always have an adequate cushion or what I call an adequate margin of safety. So here's their allocation. This is a 46% stocks, 52% bonds, 2% cash. And um, for context, and we're going to look at this in a minute, if we look at their entire asset base, now we're just looking at the SEP IRAs, combined value of 408. They also have 58000 in a taxable brokerage account, which, which we're not going to grade on today's show. And they also have on top of that $329,000 in bank accounts. So if we add this to their 408 in the SEP IRAs, we come up with 795. That's the total asset base that they have. And so the way to look at this is from a, from a, a risk perspective, if, if, if we look at the percentages, 41% of the overall asset base they have is committed to their margin of safety. But in reality, the money's not safe, right? Because their after-tax return in those low-yielding bank accounts is next to nothing. Their money's not safe from inflation. But the real issue here is, to me, more than anything else, is the size of the cushion relative to their overall asset base. It just leans way too heavy on the conservative side for moderate risk takers as they've described themselves. So I think they need to get a little bit more uh, better in terms of risk and, and, and recalculating what their actual margin of safety is and what it should be, at the very least recalculating. If they say to me, it's 41%, that's correct, we've recalculated, I'm okay with that, but let's double check. Let's double check to make sure, because again, when I look at this portfolio in the context of all of their assets, not just the SEP IRAs, it leans more on the conservative side versus moderate. Um, and, and these are the things that I was talking about before in terms of um, just giving you a little bit more context of their overall assets. And we're going to look at this in, a, in the next grading category, which is taxes. So taxes is, is crucial, and it's an area that a lot of people get wrong. Um, even if their investments are correctly aligned, the asset positioning often, for whatever reason, is wrong. And conversely, I see people that have the asset positioning that's correct, and then the investments are wrong. I mean, in an ideal situation, we want both to be perfectly aligned. We want outstanding investment um, structuring and then outstanding asset structuring. So asset structuring is what taxes focuses on. And I see a couple of things that jump out at me that, um, that aren't correct with regard to KE's current portfolio from a tax angle. Um, this describes the framework that I use to judge the tax efficiency of an investment portfolio. 
Um, there's three places where your money can be located. First bucket is taxable. Second bucket's tax deferred. Third bucket is tax free. We want to have an ideal balance in each of these buckets with the idea of reducing taxes to the greatest degree possible in a legal manner. The ideal balance for the taxable, if you're wondering, is six months of living expenses. That's your emergency capital. The tax deferred bucket, the ideal balance is that your RMDs at age 72 stay at or below your standard deduction, right? So if you're single or married or head of household, that's going to be anywhere from 12,000 to, to 12,000 and change to 24,000 and change. That's the standard deduction. So you want to make sure that your RMDs by the time you reach age 72 are at or below those thresholds because if they are, then those assets come back to you as tax-free distributions. And then also, this also helps you to prevent your social security from be, being taxed, which is a, a big deal. We never want Social Security and retirement to be taxed. And then everything else, the ideal balance, goes into the tax-free zone. And um, that, as we il illustrated earlier, gives you an idea of what types of accounts um, match or go under each of these types of uh, buckets. So tax-free would be Roth IRA, Roth 401k, uh, also, Roth IRA conversions go into the tax-free zone. So let's get to KE's positioning from an asset perspective. So the tax-deferred bucket, they've got 408, 410 in the tax-deferred bucket. They've got 388 combined in the taxable bucket. You'll notice that there's nothing in the tax-free bucket. Have they never heard of a Roth IRA? Or perhaps they're making too much money where they can't contribute. Well, you can do backdoor Roth IRA contributions, right? Do Roth conversions. That might be one strategy for getting into Roth IRA. But the point is, is that we've got to have better tax diversification. KE doesn't have that, unfortunately. Also, I don't know if you picked up on this earlier, but they own municipal bonds in a tax deferred account in, in their SEP IRAs. There is no benefit from a tax perspective, owning municipal bonds or mini bond funds in a tax deferred or even a tax free account. Those types of assets are best held in your taxable bucket. That's where you get and extract the most tax efficiency and tax benefit from them. So from a positioning perspective, that needs some work. And my real worry here is this 408, what is it gonna be worth in 12 years as they that's their time horizon for retiring. So what's that money going to be worth? They're putting in $15,000 a year in, in contributions to the SEP IRAs. What is this going to be worth in 12 years if we just average it out with a 7% rate of return? This this account is going to be worth $1.2 million. And if they grow that out to when she hits age 72, that's RMD age, this is going to be a $1.9 million account. At that point, we're looking at $66,000 in year one for required minimum distributions. That's way over and beyond uh, where it should be. That's going to trigger all kinds of uh, taxes on Social Security, the unwanted results, the spend down of your assets in order to pay for all those taxes. And um, also, we, we didn't even mention it, but tax rates are at 80-year lows today. So what are they going to be? in 12, 15 years and beyond 
when they start taking these distributions from their retirement account, if tax rates go higher, and I do believe they will go higher because they have no choice but to go higher, we're at 80-year lows in terms of U.S. income tax rates. And given the national debt that keeps exploding, along with all the unfunded liabilities like Medicare and Social Security, all of that is going to force U.S. income tax rates higher. And so from a retirement planning standpoint, it's urgent that KE start to fill up that tax-free bucket and, and remove themselves from that um, the, 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 the fierceness of higher tax rates in in the future. So thankfully, the, the portfolio report card is catching all of this even before it becomes a problem later on. That's, that's the whole idea. Let's take a look at the final grading category. We're almost done with KE's portfolio performance. This is the final grading category. Uh, those that say that performance is the only thing that matters, well, that's partially true, but don't forget that your performance is closely correlated with things like taxes, cost, diversification, and the risk of your portfolio. So performance is not unrelated or disconnected to those things. And in fact, if you do those other things correctly, then your performance should be matching or exceeding the benchmark, which would make it satisfactory performance. And hopefully that will become a sustainable thing versus a, a one-year surprise of greatness and then, you know, hot and cold performance. We want sustainable performance that's acceptable and satisfactory. So KE outperformed the benchmark significantly. They were up 19.6% versus 8.34% for the benchmark. Amazing. That's great, KE. So congratulations. They, they well exceeded the benchmark which lines up and matches their current asset mix. And that's what you want from a performance standpoint. Um, the main reason, though, for this outperformance was that that ARK ETF, ARKK, which has been a hot performer, that ETF, by the way, has been featured on our other show known as ETF Battles. So uh, check that uh, series out. But ARK has been a great performer. It was up 115% over the past year. And all along, KE held that. So that... That lifted up the entire portfolio, uh, the performance in a meaningful way. So what is KE's final overall grade? It's a B minus. And we identified weaknesses in the portfolio. There's some shortcomings with regard to diversification, taxes, cost. We can minimize a little bit more. In terms of the portfolio strength, clearly performance. I mean, it was lights out and uh, KE did a great job. KE does miss some exposure, though, to some major asset classes that we identified, like commodities, global real estate. We, we mentioned the need for having better balance tax-wise and having more assets in that tax-free bucket, like Roth IRA and Roth conversions, if, if that uh, can help them to get there. And then um, also having a margin of safety that is adequate, but not too large. 41% of this portfolio is allocated to margin of safety. That may be a little bit too high, depending on, uh, um, well, in, in, in comparison to how they describe themselves as investors, right? They said they're moderate risk takers. This just seems a little bit on the high side to me. And that could end up, uh, when you look at the context of the entire asset base, end up giving them some lag, lagging performance overall. Also, no written investment plan. 
why do we invest without having a written IPS? Now I offer a, a template that you can get in my online classes and I'm going to put a link below that to that online class and you can get a template investment policy statement also known as IPS. It's already written. You just fill in the blanks with your information but that will help you to be organized and then once you have a written investment policy statement you want to make sure that the portfolio is aligns with that and matches it right so what good is it to have instructions if you're not going to follow the instructions and so some homework assignments for improving KE's grade the next time I analyze and grade your portfolio municipal bonds best held in your taxable accounts we own investments that are proxies for the asset classes where they're investing in Index ETFs can help you to do that uh, across stocks, bonds, commodities, and real estate. Look at contributing to your Roth IRA, doing Roth conversions, if that makes sense. You got to do the math on that um, and, and see if that makes sense. Um, I think it does, by the way, and I've done the math on a lot of uh, portfolio report cards behind the scenes, helping you to determine if Roth conversions make sense. And I can tell you, I, 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 most cases, they do make sense. Uh, because again, you want to take advantage of low tax rates, which are going to stay the same until 2026, because that's when the current tax law, which was passed in 2017, sunsets. So regardless of who wins the White House, tax rates are going to stay the same between now and 2026. But after that, anything can happen and tax rates are likely to shoot much, much higher. But getting back to KE, um, this can help you have a better balance of your tax-deferred and tax-free investments. Also, recalculate your safety net, your, your margin of safety, as I, I like to call it. I have a worksheet that will help you to, to calculate that. That's also available in my online class. And then the written investment policy statement, that will help you. And then finally, I want to grade your brokerage account, KE. Let me take a look at that the next time, and we'll see if you're on track and um, you know progressing towards your financial goals i grade and analyze iras roth iras 401k plans 403bs and other investment accounts held at these institutions and many many others so get in touch with me you know you learned a lot on today's program uh, the way that we start with every single analysis is by you going to portfoliorereportcard.com and reaching out to me choosing a plan i've got two and then from there, we can begin to get to the bottom of your investments and drilling down to the strengths and the weaknesses of your portfolio. We can also take a look at any concerns that you may have in your portfolio, things that, that you think might be hindering or holding you back. I also analyze and grade not just self-managed accounts, but advisor-managed accounts, which is very crucial to make sure that your advisor, if you're paying them a fee, they should be properly executing on your plan and so the way that we can check that is by getting a portfolio report card analysis. So you know the drill. Go to PortfolioReportCard.com and get in touch with me, and I'll be happy to help you. Well, that does it for another episode of the Portfolio Report Card. Be sure to check in with us again next week. We'll be here doing the same analysis as we do every week. Thanks again for watching. And be sure to subscribe to our channel right here on ETF Guide TV. Does your retirement portfolio pass or fail? How do you match up against others? Find out on The Final Grade with Ron DeLegge. 
No part of the final grade with Ronda Leggy may be copied, altered, or redistributed without the expressed written consent of its producers. The show should not be construed as legal, financial, or tax advice, nor is it an offer to buy or sell security. Portfolio report card is not a guarantee against market losses or warranty of investment results of any kind. Some of the guest names have been changed to protect identities. Go to PortfolioReportCard.com to learn more.